Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. We're in for a treat tonight. We got a preaching machine. I'm talking about a preaching machine that's going to preach the gospel tonight. World famous, been all over the world. And we're glad that we could have him tonight. We're honored that he's here. And uh, all jokes aside, we're glad to have Elijah and Bishop Curtis in the house tonight from Crusaders over in Quitman. Give them a great God bless you. Doing a great work in Quitman, Georgia, and we pray the blessing of the Lord over you guys. And God, just bring a mighty revival to the city of Quitman. That whole region, God, we just thank you for what you're doing in their house, Father, for the expansion and all that you're doing there, Father. We bless them tonight. We're honored to have them here. And, um, you know, I asked Stanton to preach, I guess it was about a month ago, three weeks ago, and then I said, I'm going to let you preach on Wednesday night, and then I told him, I said, but not this Wednesday night. He said, you got something. <laughs> and I said, well, I, but, and then we, we, we scheduled it again. He was gone or whatever, then we, we, but anyhow, but tonight we got him. And so I, I, it's an honor, you know, to, here's a guy that grew up in this house. Here's, here's one of our own, and um, beginning uh, the journey, I'm, I'm proud of you, Stanton. This house is proud of you. We recognize what God's doing on your life, and, and we just honor you. And hey, man, and I cut up with you all the time. No nerves aside, you were born for this. You were, you were put on the earth to do what you're about to do. And if you will, church, you stand up. You give him the greatest. God bless you as he comes and takes his pulpit tonight. Come on, give Jesus one big God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I could go home after that worship, man. That was out of this world. I felt the Lord. Did y'all feel that? Hallelujah. Well, it would not be right for me to stand up here and, um, and not give honor where it's due. Um, my parents, my family are over here. I love them so much. I never thought that I'd be up here doing this. But it's because they've paved, paved such a way and they've set such an example for me. And I love you guys so much. Thank you. Um, Mom, Dad, Nana, Allie, Uncle June, Aunt Tracy. Um, also, my family from Crusaders. I love you guys so much. I just pray that God will sweep through the city equipment more than ever before and just shake Crusaders for Christ. And um, last but certainly not least, Pastor John and Miss Cat, I love you guys so much. And this, all this would not be possible without God himself, but without your uh, consecration, without you guys seeking his face um, day and night. So I'm going to get situated up here. Um, <laughs> I actually have no idea what I'm doing, but I think that the Lord honors that. And um, I'm just going to speak to you guys out of my heart. Um, I, do have a, I do have something specific that I want to share with you that I feel like that God has given me, and um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go that route if that's okay with you guys. Um, I do want to talk briefly about England. Um, I had the opportunity to go and to share the love of God over there in Manchester, England, and it was phenomenal. And um, I was just humbled to be a part of it first and foremost, and never thought I would have the the opportunity to you know share Jesus overseas. But I got that opportunity. It was phenomenal. And I got to see Muslims changed. I got to see atheists changed. I got to see people from Afghanistan that had never heard the name of Jesus changed in a moment. And um, 
and that I mean it was just it was it was life changing for me. And so as my as I was laying there um, in my little hostel room, Uncle Junior was messing with me because I had this small little hostel room, and it was like me and seven other guys in this room. And um, but I guess that's just the mission field, man. So I need to, we need to get used to that. So ignite all you little world changers over here. You're gonna go preach the gospel, and you're gonna be missionaries. Get ready because that's what's on this way. <laughs> nah. Um, but I wrote this, and so I wanted to. Um, just wanted to share it with you guys because I felt like the Lord laid it on my heart. And it says, as I'm pondering on my day here in Manchester, England, my spirit is so stirred about the way it is right now and has been for the past two or three months um, and uplifted to say the least. I never imagined I would be spreading the love of Jesus on foreign soul, but today it happened. Today, as I began talking with people throughout this amazing city, I was shocked at how generous they were and how receptive they were to the gospel. I was able to engage in conversation with an atheist and a few Muslims, and even these people greeted me with a smiling face. As the team began to dance and sing in the streets, people gathered everywhere to see what was going on. One more paragraph. I'm almost done. <laughs> this leads me to this thought, which is simply this. There's a lost and dying world out there, friend, who is desiring an internal satisfaction and the answer for these people is the unfailing love of Jesus. Not another sermon, not another worship service, but simply enlightening them that there's a God who paid the price for their sin, who loves them, who loves them. Let's see where I am right here. Who paid the price for this sin, who loves them and has a purpose for their lives. The scripture says to go in all the world and preach the gospel, which leads me to this one thought. Every opportunity we get to spread Jesus and choose to not capitalize, it's a lost opportunity. And if anything, my eyes were open to that um, more than anything because for a long time I thought that all of this that we just experienced in worship and, you know, um, and, and all the preaching and the teaching and the worship, that that was just something that stayed right here. But my eyes were so open and have been, but even mo more so when I was in England that, man, we literally have to take this thing and, and just shake the nation with it because if we keep it capped up right in here, man, I read this today. It says the great baton of the Great Commission is the reason why it's 2016 and 2.9 billion, 2.9 billion, hear that. People have never heard of Jesus. Generations have passed the baton of the responsibility to the next because fear and the thought of an uncomfortable life paralyze people. Don't waste your life. If we don't go, who will? And I, I just believe that with everything in me, that in this room, I've got a bunch of God seekers, man. And I believe that deep, deep inside that God's placed something very specific on your heart. And, and man, if you have, I just saw that, if you haven't heard Miss Rosalind's testimony, get with her after service. I got to hear it really fully for the first time yesterday. It blew me away. God so touched her. Get with her. It's life-changing. So, Anyway, England was great. For those of you that have been wondering, it was phenomenal. God moved, and I was so just really humbled that I even had the opportunity to do so. So I want to speak to you guys um, out of John 8. And so I'm going to read this and kind of break it down. Um, John 8, starting in verse 1. And I'll read all the way through it, and then we can just kind of break it down. And as I was reading this, um, as I was reading this, God, God just kind of spoke to me as, um, in different parts of it. And so I'm just going to kind of roll with it. And uh, like I said, I have, I'm used to speaking to teenagers and to the little ones, and so this is a first for me, um, but I've grown up in this house, and it's just an honor to even be doing this. Um, so, John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went across to Mount Olives, but he was soon back in the temple. I'm reading out of the message translation, so your King James may be a little different, but this helps my immature mind to grasp this. 
went soon back into the temple again. Swarms of people came to him. He sat down and taught them. The religion scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught, who had been caught, pay attention, in an act of adultery. They stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses in the law gave orders to some such, such persons. What do you say? Back in Deuteronomy 22, it talks about that. We're going to go back to that here in a minute. They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept to him, badgering him. He straightened up and said, The sinless one among you, go first. Throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they walked away, one after another, beginning with the oldest. The woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No one, master, she said. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way from now on. Don't sin. You guys bow your head. I'm just going to pray one more time. God, we love you and we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. We invite you into this church service right now. God, you, and your word declares that where two or three are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst of them. And God, I'm honored for this ability, uh, this opportunity to do this. And it's in your precious son, Jesus, we say, amen. Um, so what I wanted to point out first was that um, Jesus was in the temple to begin with. This was a controversial time um, in, the, uh, in the land. And uh, they were in, Jesus, in the previous chapter, if you go back and read chapter 7, um, uh, Jesus was going back and forth from Galilee to Judea. And, um, and they were trying to decide whether he was really the coming Messiah. And so, uh, and in that, uh, in this story, I found it crazy because even though that these people were doing the best that they could to condemn Jesus and say that he wasn't the coming Messiah, he's in the temple preaching to the people anyway. And so after that, so here I have wrote, arguing over whether or not they, that he needs to be thrown in jail. The following day that morning, Jesus returns to the temple, even though the church was not treating him correctly and accepting him, but nothing could keep him out of the temple. See, the reason why I want to share this story is because this is, this is just is what's on my heart, and all I know to do is really talk out of my heart. And you may say, well, you're talking about a woman caught in adultery. Well, how in the world does that relate to me? Well, friend, I believe in this room tonight that we've got a room full of people that have said, I was in darkness over here, but when God saved me, I came in light. See, over here, I was confused, but now... My goodness, I'm intelligent through Jesus. Over here, I was caught in perversion, but I'm walking in purity over here. And so I feel like that this is, that this is important for us to, to, to begin operating in this attitude of, friend, Jesus is not mad at us. You're his beloved son or daughter. And just in that moment that we had there in worship, this is the reason why we worship for so long. And that people come in here and they have no idea, was, oh, why, are we, why are we up here for an hour, an hour and a half? Why do we stay on Sunday morning when we're supposed to you know, get in here and do the right church thing and go eat chicken? Friend, if we can catch the eyes of Jesus just once, this is why we worship so long. If we can just catch his gaze one time, friend, I promise you, I promise you, your life will be forever changed. And this is the reason why I'm sharing this story was because I know what he did for me. And if he did it for me, friend, he can do it for you. Pastor John makes fun of me all the time about my skinny jeans. And we cut up about the holes in my jeans and my skinny jeans. And he talks about I'll be wearing huskies. I heard Damon Thompson saying like this, I'm not mad that I can't get in. Uh, I'm not mad at, at skinny jeans or the people that can't or the people that are wearing skinny jeans. I'm just mad because I can't get in skinny jeans. So when he bashes me, that's what I hit him with. But... On the, spiritual, on the spiritual side of that, um, man, I was so confused and lost and thought that I had it all figured out. And I'll never forget what my dad told me. 
and, and inside of our house one day, he said, son, until you give it up, you'll continue to wrestle this right here. And so in one moment, I said, God, and I was at the ramp in Hamilton, Alabama, and I said, God, I don't, I don't have no idea why I'm here, and I'm going to talk about that in the story as how God brings us to places where we, we have no idea what's going on or why we're there, but he, but he uses that um, for the goodness of him. But anyway, um, and, so we, and so we wrestle that, we wrestle that. But in that moment, I said, Jesus, you know, fill me with your love, show me. All I know is I need you, and I fought you, and I've resisted you all my life. I've heard, you're a leader, son. You're going to preach the gospel. You're a leader, son. You're going to preach the gospel. But little did I know that I would be standing here doing this one day, man. And I was so caught up with every, with, man, with, with college and what, and what the college lifestyle was and girls, and I chased the wrong girl. And thank God for my future beautiful wife sitting in the building tonight. But man, in that moment, my life was changed forever. And so I feel like that in this story, that the Pharisees bring this lady to Jesus, and she's, and she's standing there naked and ashamed. And I'm sure we've all felt like that. But man, God doesn't ask her to repent, and he doesn't scream at her. But man, he just says, do they, do I, I don't condemn you either. Go on and sin no more. And I believe that's the heart of God, man. And you may say, well, so you're telling me that I can just, especially for you teenagers in here, because I know how this generation thinks. And you may say, man, uh, so you're telling me that I can just go out here and I can just go to my school and talk how I want to talk and do what I want to do and God's going God's gonna to forgive me. No, friend, if you, if you feel that way, you haven't met the real God that I've met, man. You didn't encounter the real Jesus that I encountered because, man, I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, he'll change you forever. So, so, but nothing could keep Jesus out of the temple, no matter what the Pharisees and the people of the land said. So this brings me to the first point that I wanted to make, was that nothing can keep God from doing what he wants to do in our church. How many people believe that he cannot, no matter what, no matter what may come our way, no matter what the enemy or the devil tries to bring in here, friend, people have thought for so long that there was this fight between God and the enemy and that it was so hard for Jesus. That, no, 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 friend. It's so easy for God just, to, just, just how we pursue him, man, he's coming. He's calling us and he's, pers- he's pursuing us the same way that we're pursuing him, man. And so nothing can keep God from doing what he wants to do inside Cornerstone, inside Matt, inside Mr. Tom, inside Rachel. It doesn't matter. He's sitting there knocking at the door and all he's wanting to do, all he's wanting you to do is just say yes. Just open your heart. You can shake the nation by just saying yes. That's what I did, friend. This is, this is the testimony of Jesus. Just say yes. Open the door and let him walk through, man. That's all you have to do. So, here, if we don't live in revival, it's because we simply don't, so it was because we simply don't accept the call of God that's upon us. This is how we'll see God move in a stronger way than ever before, operating in this mindset. God responds to our yes. And so I want to discuss this generation. This is the reason why I asked Matt to keep you guys in here tonight and even the Ignite um, kids, is that this generation likes to make a lot of excuses, and I see it um, firsthand. They like to say, well, man, my Snapchat is more important, and my Facebook is more important, and I like to be on Instagram and, and all this and play my Xbox. And whether or not you're seven or whether you're 65, I believe there's one call, and that's to spread the love of Jesus as much as possible. And although, although we may fall and although that we may skin our knees, man, all he's wanting you to do is just get back up and keep on running. So we can't fall in love with these excuses. We have to first burn 
if we want this church to burn. If you want people to come in here and feel the love of Jesus, we have to operate out of a place of goodness for God. And when we get in moments like this, man, we have to give it up for him. My, my, in my innermost, this is, the, this is the reason why you see me over here acting the fool. Because I know that where I was and where I am now are two totally different things. It's not even, it's like the light has been flipped on. And I know exactly, I was in a moment, I told Uncle Junior this the other day, man, I had no idea what the call of God was on my life. No clue. I was playing baseball for Coach Edwards. I didn't know. I thought I was going to go play a little juco ball somewhere, or maybe go work with Dad, and maybe one day I'll be able to do that. But, man, in a moment, I was, I was there. To ramp. We went to the ramp a lot. And, um, and I said, God, we were, in a, we were in an altar call moment. And I said, God, what's my purpose? What am I on this earth to do? I have no idea. God, show me. And immediately I was, I was in a vision, and I saw myself on a platform similar to this, but, on, but, a, but a lot bigger and it was almost in black and white, and I, was, and, it, and I was in a stadium, and it was filled with people, and I was sitting up here doing this number right here, and I know that I was just trying to infill the people with hope and tell them that God had a purpose for them, and God loved them, and, and just, man, come on. And, that, and, that, and, that, and so I knew in that moment, man, and I had no clue. But in a moment, God showed up, man. And he showed me for the rest of my life what I was going to be doing. I had no idea that I would be working with this generation. I had no idea that I was going to be working with the youth of Cook County and God only knows where else. Because your yes changes everything, man. So, So we can't give out of lack. We can't give people outside of this church what we don't already possess this is why two hours before my meeting the reason why I was running up here so late was because I'm on my face saying God what do you want to say to these people I have no idea what I'm doing but God speak to me let me see what you would have me to see God let me let me just hear what you would have me to say God let it not be from a place of 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 any of my own agenda but God let it be something that you would have to say to him God and all he said man was tell him I love him tell them I love them, which is, which is really opposite of what I thought I was going to, is, is really what my, the opposite of what my DNA is. My DNA is to get up here and bang my head on the floor and just, oh God, I love you so much. He answers that, but I'm telling you, it's something about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We're not orphans. You heard Pastor John say it earlier, and he, God paints a perfect picture of this in this story. And so also, I wanted to make this point. This woman was brought to Jesus, caught in the very act of adultery. It says it there where I read it. The, fa- the Pharisees and the Sadducees only got together when it was time to justify their own beliefs. So we oftentimes go out of our way to condemn others and try to tell them where they're screwing up and what they're doing wrong. And if I've ever got a revelation, it's been just tell them God's got a plan for them, man. Just tell him God's got a purpose for him. Just tell him that he's got good plans to prosper and to, uh, and to give you every desire of your heart. Because I feel like that this is, this is perfectly painted in this story. So also, um, so also it says, we will oftentimes go out of our way to condemn someone else, but to make our own selves look good when this is simply incorrect. How do these men even know where to look for this woman? They went seeking out a woman who had no idea that she would be brought to Jesus naked and ashamed, but she had no idea she would be brought to Jesus that day. All she knew was that she was going to wake up and have sexual intercourse with another man. She had no idea that she was going to be brought to Jesus. But it's like I've heard before. It's in the moments where we have no idea that God says, come here, son, 
Come here, daughter. Let me, let me just blow on you. Let me just show you. And I believe that's what he was doing with this woman. So, so they bust through the doors and grab this woman who was naked and exposed. Haven't we all felt this way before? And this is the reason why I love worship. Because worship is almost like a mirror. When we've got Pastor Matt up here and he's talking about, and he's talking about how holy God is and holy is our king. You can't stand there without feeling, I mean, I know I can't. I can't stand there without feeling dirty, without feeling just empty. Why? Because he's so holy. And I feel like, oh my goodness, if, if I could ever just, are you tracking with me, friend? It's almost like a mirror. Anytime, we can talk about a lot of other things, but when we start talking about how holy he is, he almost every time shows up. Why? Because people begin to say, God, I give my life to you. I have no idea what I'm doing, but God, forgive me. I repent. I want to move on from where I am today, and I can't stay where I am. So, something I felt was interesting was that this woman never asked to go to Jesus, but in the midst of her mess, Jesus picked her up like he does all of us just when we think it's over, and God chooses us. This woman had no idea she would wake up this morning, that she would be going to the temple rather to just be having sex with another man. So Jesus doesn't tell her, repent, instead forgives her without her doing anything at all. See, the church doesn't think like this. We think that we have to come in here and say, repent, you're wrong, and this and that. But friend, all we need to do is just inject love, inject hope, inject God's faithful. He can do anything you want him to do. That's, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's faithful. That's what we need to inject in. I'm not, see, the, fact, the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted Jesus to condemn this woman. See, they were trying to trap Jesus. They wanted to see what he was going to do. They wanted to see if he was going to say, hey, well, uh, condemn her, throw stones at her, or let her go on. No, no, no. All Jesus did was stoop down in the dirt. I'm going to get to that. Oh, this is so good. I love this. So this is how I used to think. I used to think that I have to beg for God, beg God for mercy and for grace and say, God, help me because I'm, oh, oh, I would beg and I would beg and I would, I would lay on the, even before worship would begin and I would say, God, I can't even worship you. But no, 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 friend. Repenting is not screaming and begging. Repenting, repenting is a, is a, is a way, it's a, it's a different mindset. It's your change in your way of thinking. So, God paints a beautiful picture of mercy in this story. So, and keep in mind, man, I'm not, believe me, I'll be the first to say, I mess up and I screw up. But, man, if we could just get in a moment like we were in right there, everything gets washed away. Everything gets washed away. This is why you see Miss Cat run around crazy. This is why you see us up here. Just going, just going for it, 110%, because we were so lost. I can take you to moments where, man, I was just so screwed up in my mind. I had no idea what was over here on this side. It's so much better. There's so much more of an internal satisfaction. Man, if I would have told you, if I would have, five years ago, if you'd have said, what are you going to be doing? I would have had no clue. I would have had no clue. But in a moment, God changed that forever. So, this is the last thing I wanted to point out here. It's where Jesus stooped down. I want to read this one more time. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept badgering at him. He straightened up and said, The sinless one among you, go first. Throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. 
He bent down twice just to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. You see, he wasn't worried about the Pharisees. He wasn't worried about the people around him. But instead, he was worried about this woman who was sitting there ashamed. He's worried about you, friend. He wants you to change the world. He's concerned about your little, your little worries that you think that nobody cares about. He's worried about them. He's worried about your job. He's worried about you in school. He's worried about you in your sports. You're on the heart of God. I don't care what anybody has told you. I don't care. Friend, he's changed me, and I know without a shadow of a doubt that God's seekers will always be God finders. All we need to do is come boldly before the throne room of grace and through our boldness there's our breakthrough so hallelujah thank you Jesus. so jesus was never concerned with these pharisees but instead this woman so what did jesus do so i believe i believe that you know as i've studied this and as i've looked into it many people many scholars or many people that are studying the bible may say that well when jesus stooped down he was trying to write the sins of this woman or it was something to do with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But you see, man, I don't believe that. I believe what Jesus was doing for this woman is what he did for me. And that's simply this. Where would her eyes would have been if she would have been, if she would have been ashamed? Her attitude would have been downcast. Her eyes would have been. But all he wanted to do was just catch her gaze. Why did he want to do that? Why did he want to do that, man? Because he knew that if she would just, if she would just lock eyes with him one time, one time that she wouldn't want to be caught in it. She wouldn't want to be an adulterer anymore. She wouldn't want to sin against God. All she needed to do was just, all she wanted to do, man, was just see Jesus, whose eyes burn with a fiery love for us, whose hair is like wool, man, whose feet are like brass. What other God is that? There's no God other than Jesus Christ. You and you alone, God, are worthy of all the praise. So, God doesn't ask how many times we've sinned or any other questions, but he just comes with mercy and stoops down and writes in the dirt. See, I want to make this point to you that I found was just interesting, and I'm, and I'm finished with this. But you see, in this temple, it said, that, it said that the floor was stone, but because of so much traffic, because of so much traffic in the temple that it had become dirt. And so the floor was stone in the temple, but due to the traffic on the floor, it was just it was just dirt. You see, the last time that Jesus rode in the dirt, or rode in, a, rode in stone, it was when he was, it was up on the mountain when he was writing the Ten Commandments with Moses. But friend, let me tell you something. There's one coming that's stronger than Moses, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's not come to condemn you and cast the stone, but he's came to you to give you life and life more abundantly. If we'll just draw nigh to him, he'll draw unto us. So... I'm going to read this to you. I hope what I've said has been something that is, is, will, help, will, will help us go throughout our week, man. I don't know. All I know is, is that God said, tell my people that I love them, man. Tell my people that I love them. And, I, and I just, so that's what I've done my best to do. So it says, so this is what I wrote, man. I really feel like that God gave me this. People need to see the bride of Christ carrying themselves in humility, knowing that we have no answers, but he is the only answer. Jesus showed up in this story. This generation behind us is literally at, literally at the brink 
of walking into something great that we'll have to pave the way for, or rather it will not come to pass. We have to operate from the position of friendship and true communion with Almighty God himself. We are his beloved sons and daughters, and no matter what we've done to any degree, it's not too hard for Jesus to write in your dirt. One moment caught by the gaze of Yahweh, whose eyes burn with a fiery love, changes everything, and we're never the same. You see, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And so that's my story. That's everything. This means the world to me. This is more important than, than, than sports. This is more important than, than my social life. This is more important than everything. This is why I go nuts every Sunday and Wednesday up here and every day of my life for him is because I know where I was at and where I am today. Man, God has forever changed me and I will never be the same. So I was just wondering here tonight, I'm, I just want to ask Pastor Matt to come up here and sing this song and Gavin, if you don't mind coming and play. Friend, what he did for me, he wants to do for us. I don't believe that it's right for me to just say what I've said tonight and don't give us an opportunity to say, hey, God, I want you to come get in my stuff. I want you to come right your finger in my dirt. The same way he did for this woman, he'll do it for us, man. And I don't care if you're five. Yeah, Allie, come on, baby. I don't care if you're five or if you're 75. And this may not apply to you at all, but I feel like it just applies to all of us, man. I feel like that Jesus is saying tonight, if you'll just let me come, because he's knocking, man. He's knocking. He, all he does is want your yes. All he does is want you to open up. That's what I was saying tonight. God, let the doors just fling wide open. God, I, don't, I want this place to be so I just want it to be so engulfed with your spirit that when you move in here cancer has to bow God I want I want your spirit to be so heavy in here that when a person in a wheelchair gets walked in here that we lay hands on them and we see them rise up again I want people to be coming in here. I want a teenage girl who's been beaten and who has been just emotionally and sexually scarred to be able to come in here and go to the bathroom and see the scars being fell off of her arms this is the gospel friend if you feel like if you feel like that this is that the that the, the gospel is boring and that there's nothing in here for you, friend. I'm, I'm trying to be rude. You're boring. Read the Bible, man. There's stuff in here that has blown me away. God's here. God heals the paralytic. God, God, all, all the woman wanted to do was just touch the hem of his garment. Why? Because she knew that when she touched the hem of his garment that she'd be forever changed. Just like this woman in here, man. The Bible's full of this stuff. And this word is alive, teenagers. This, this word is alive, you seven-year-old kid who's in sixth grade. You may say, I have no idea what it means. Get you a Bible that you can understand. It's alive. It'll change your life. It's the living word. And if you read this, man, I'm telling you, it'll come alive to you. And when you're up here and when, you're, and when we have an altar call and you're laying on your face or you're worshiping Jesus, you may say, I'm not getting anything. I don't feel God. I don't know what I'm doing. Friend, he's changing you. He is, he's marking you. He's marking, I believe that I've got young missionaries, I've got young pastors, young preachers, young doctors, and they're going to shake the nation by the glory of God. Wow. Man, I felt the Holy Ghost still feeling my hair standing up. What little bit I got on top too, standing up. You did an awesome job, Stanton. We're so proud of you. I'm proud of you. Wow. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for this house, this city. 
We thank you for what you're building here, Father. We thank you that, Lord, you're, you're just still building, God. This is just amazing to us tonight, Father. All that's been accomplished in this room, let us leave this place knowing, Father, that you are not mad, but you are passionately in love with us. You know, as I preach Sunday, and I, I'm still pondering on that axe head, but one thing that, um, one thing that I know is that the stick didn't have to go down in the water, but the axe head came to meet the stick. God came to us, friend. We couldn't get to him, but he came to us. Are you with me now? And that head came up to meet that stick because if you're a believer in Jesus in this room, as he is, so are you right now in this room. And if you'll believe that, listen, I really believe if we will truly believe what he said tonight, our conduct and everything will meet who we say we are. If we will get the doubt that we've got to perform, we've got to do all this stuff, Man, God loves us. Father, we thank you again tonight, Lord. Uh, uh, we, we, we just, we, I don't really have the words to say, Father, but I'm so thankful tonight, God, that, uh, Lord, that my ears heard what they heard tonight. I'm thankful for what you're doing in Stanton's life. I, I'm thank you, Lord, for uh, just bringing Abby to them, God. They're just going to be a mighty force in the kingdom of God. And, Lord, we bless them tonight. We're so thankful to have them here and, there's, and what they do here for us. God, we honor them tonight, God. And, Lord, we bless this people tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all.